Guard the Lieutenant Wharf. You step into my regiment, please, and bring a tricorder with you. Hi, Captain. What do you make of that? I am puzzled, sir. The only detectable bioelectric particles are your own. You did not help. I did not. Welcome to the Readier Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation Rewatch podcast every week of the calendar year. We're bringing you an episode of TNG and all the behind-the-scenes stories that made that magic happen. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant Services of Paramount, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hans, ex-Head of Resources Management. Brandon, how you doing today? Doing well. Uh, you, you, you got the line down for the, the first time. I always get it down the first time. What are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing pretty, pretty good. Uh, I've been trying to kick my caffeine addiction. To Again. Coffee. Again, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, really fills me with confidence that I can do it, is the fact that I'm doing it again. <laughs> uh, now, is, is this because of uh, more delivery mishaps? or No, this is um, because of general sloth and lack of self-control. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was the summer of of uh, what what is what do I drink? I drink a, a espresso. It was the summer of espresso. And now that that's over, it's, uh, you would have espressos delivered. Is, yes, is what you're saying. Sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't doesn't it seem like it's not really worth it? Um, no, I'm a big fan of the espresso espresso. Well, okay, but but bear with me here. You're you're waiting. How long does it take for delivery? Um, let's say about a half hour. Okay. Um, espresso comes, you drink it. It's over in three seconds. Oh, no, 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 no. It's 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 a larger drink than what you're imagining. Um, I, it, hold on. Do hold you know on. what an espresso is? I Do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm bringing up the, the receipts here. I'm bringing up okay. the evidence. Um, this is very, very important, and I'm using all of our time on this. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, this dead air is nice. Yeah, a triple espresso latte. I guess it's a latte. Um, okay. So it's got uh, yes. it's got three espressos, a vanilla syrup, and a caramel syrup. Mm-hmm. So you can see why this is not something you you should drink. Yeah, no, that's gonna make you fat. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's like injecting um, I don't know how much sugar just right into my fucking veins. Um. But you know, I, I saw I saw something. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I think it was on on the TikTok. Uh, I'm not too sure. I don't. I'm obviously not on it, but uh, it kind of filters down into the the well, you know the easier to use social media like Twitter and and such. I don't, um, I don't know about you, but I'll hear about this from my kids sometimes. Like, oh, this, yeah, this trend or that trend, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the baristas at Starbucks. Uh, don't take kindly to uh, to certain drinks being ordered because they're difficult to make. Well, they're, they're like milkshakes, basically. Uh. Is is the issue, um, and especially early in the morning because that's what that's when third shift ends. Okay, wait, third. That's shift? when night watch ends. Oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is mm-hmm. is Starbucks a, an all night thing? Do they? Have I guess some places it is. Interesting. Interesting. So the baristas anyway, get uppity, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do. They do. Which is why I always order my coffee black. Mm. Uh, I don't want to offend anyone. 
I usually order a uh, an empty cup just to make it easy to prepare. And then I imagine that there's coffee in there. Which really... You're very considerate. Yeah. If I'm nothing, if not considerate... Come on. Our time together, you should know that I'm nothing. No, that's true. Not you are you are the nicest person I've ever met. Right. It's... um. You know what my favorite city in the world is? Nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> anyway, today is a very special edition of the Readier Room. This, this, it is. Today might be the readiest room of all, if I'm being mm-hmm. completely honest. Um, because today is the day that we have our first guest guest on the Readier Room. And uh, I, I want everybody to steal themselves here because when i announce this guest you might get a little more excited than uh than is reasonable uh because we have we have captain kirk on our show but it might not be the captain kirk that you're immediately thinking of because that's a fictional character who's not real but we have the real captain kirk or the other Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk, hello. Hi there, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. There we go. Pleasure to have you. Thank you. I think I can say and that... I feel special. I feel particularly special. I'm the first guest. This is amazing. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say, I think I can speak for everybody when uh, it's. I say it's a momentous occasion and has us all tickled pink. Certainly does. And uh, uh, he called us young. Too, which, which was nice. I, I appreciated that. It really started my day off right. I mean, usually I need, you know, X amount of coffee to even open my eyes. But now with, with a compliment paid to me, I'm going to be riding on that for forever. You're, you're helping Mitch kick his addiction. <laughs> well, you see, anything I could do to help. But at, right now I'm feeling that I'm running on adrenaline because of the pressure. Because, you know, everybody is going to compare future guests to the standard that you have, you know, introduced with with me, and this concerns me. I think you're up. You to know the what? Task. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're probably going to be our best guest ever. Yeah, I, I oh. have the I have the feeling, and the adrenaline subsides. <laughs> it's 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 a good it's a rare opportunity, I think, because sure, other people will be compared to you in the future. But right now, you're not being compared to anybody, and uh, that. yeah, you yeah, can... you get to set the standard. Oh, so if you make think, it however you want, if you think a guest's place in the readier room is to be bombastic and uh, in in your face, then you can do that. And if you think a guest's place in the readier room is to be um, a little more supportive, you can do that. It's all up to you. You don't have to abide by anything. Well, I think I'm going to go with LeVar Burton's advice um, mm-hmm. last weekend because he told me that I needed to roll more with the changes. Okay. And uh, I figure, you know, this is one of those occasions. Actually, this is probably the most appropriate occasion to follow that advice. And can we get any more source ready than um, LeVar Burton? Perhaps That's very not. true. Perhaps not. Now... I, I'm now thinking of introducing more changes for us to roll with. <laughs> I'm not sure what I can change on the fly. We could 
Um, you ever watch Deep Space Nine? We could be a Deep Space Nine podcast. No, we're not. We're not talking Deep Space Nine. <laughs> you, the lower decks will be. You never let me indulge my Deep Space Nine fantasies. <laughs> well, you know what? We, we can make this experimental. The fir- the world's first experimental podcast. Yeah, that's never been done before. <laughs> it's like Spinal Tap. We'll do a fusion. There yeah, go. there we go. Exactly. I like that. Welcome to Ready Room 2.0, where we are now playing jazz rock fusion. <laughs> this is this is this is where the the, the change begins. The metamorphosis <laughs> begins here. Yeah, Levar, so, I hope you're listening. <laughs> tomorrow we'll all wake up as cockroaches as the metamorphosis concludes. <laughs> All right, so we have gathered here today on this um, conspicuous day to discuss an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, which is a television show that aired many, many years ago. Too many years. Feeling old again, despite the compliment. Um, And we all watched an episode in preparation. And luckily, we, we coordinated this. We all watched the same episode which is perhaps our greatest strength of all, our coordination. You'd be surprised. Sometimes that does not happen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have a senior moment now and again. It all happens. But um, we watched Data's Day, which is a slightly alliterative title. And Yeah, and uh, an episode I was looking forward to. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah I, I look forward cool. to this on every rewatch. You're a big Data's it, Day it's fan? It's a good episode. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good episode. Oh, Mitch doesn't like it. I, well, I'm, well, I'll, 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 I'll give my piece on it really quick to start us off. Um, no, no, I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, um, and I hadn't seen it in, in quite some time, but it's, it it feels like its its tone is being pulled in a lot of different directions, and it uh, simultaneously feels a little. And this is perhaps by design, but it feels a little. Um, how do I put this? Uh, mundane, like uh, unnoteworthy. Oh well, yeah, sure. I mean, it's a day in the life of Data. It's supposed to be more slice of lifey, and if they had committed to that, I would have liked it a lot more. But this introduction of a Romulan plot and and higher stakes and um you know more typical Star Trek drama I feel is at odds with what is the stated purpose of the episode and well yeah sure I think I think that was uh I think that was Rick who who wanted um some kind of uh conflict or 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 a, a bigger conflict than what one might get in in a sort of slice of life uh episode so that was kind of just inserted in there, I, I suppose you might say. Yeah, I mean, there's always concerns about, um, you know, what is the audience going to latch onto this? Are, are they going to stick around for a whole episode of you know, data shenanigans? And having a more typical Star Trek plot is is like insurance, you know, that people will watch that. But, um, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I think I got to disagree with you. Okay. How so? I, I think so because I mean, it's it's not just about data. I think actually this this episode one of the strengths is like you said it 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 
you feel like it, it pulls the show in many directions. I actually think that because it looks at different episodes and backgrounds of the different cast members, like we see that we see aspects of the characters we wouldn't normally see in other episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that actually adds to the value of the series. And I think that's why I like this one is because it has that background in each character. But at the same time, yeah, it's the focus on data. And I liked the the idea that he's going through his thought processes and trying to, you know, uh, reason how humanity works and all of its different foibles and what have you. But, you know, we see him, you know, reflecting on that uh, by, you know, the way that the different um, other different characters act. And I, and I think that's actually what I liked about this. No, I, I agree because that's, those are the parts of the episode that I like the best. I just think that the parts that of the episode that, weren't that like again the romulan stuff just doesn't um coalesce nearly as well it's kind of an afterthought uh i mean the episode's called i will data's day and the data's day stuff seems really well thought out and well put together and then the more typical tng plot with romulans is just an afterthought not nearly i will kind of agree that it's it's uh, a little tonally dissonant maybe um, but I also I like want to note very- that, uh, <laughs> I also want to note that, um, this, uh, for, for a, I guess you would consider this a bottle episode, um, m- more set redresses than maybe we've seen in quite a long time, um, at this point in the, the rewatch here. Yeah. I was, uh, we see a lot of cool, we, you know, we, we see like the, the, the barber, mm-hmm. um, the replicators, the very Arboretum. cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I was particularly struck by that replicator um, set. It's 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 uh, the old uh, the old Enterprise from the first um, the first three movies, I think it was. Right, which hadn't been seen in TNG up to that point, I believe. No, no, it was. It we, was. We it was. It? Uh, yeah. Um, I must be forgetting my timeline. Yeah, I want to say it was. I want to say at some point it was the Battle Bridge. Okay. I, I do tend to get the, the, the bridges mixed up on where exactly they come from, but... Yeah. Well, you know, those sets all blend together at some point. It, it, eventually they do. Yeah. See, that's so cool that you guys have that insight, that you get to go, oh, I recognize that set. It's like, what is that that device that they, they used in, in Wrath of Khan? It's like, it's got the laser in between, like, the, the two arms that stick out, and you you even saw it in, like, Airplane 2, for God's sake. Uh-huh. I, I think right, right. That shows right. up in a bunch of um, lab shots of different different yeah. lab sets yeah, throughout the run. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it's... Yeah, it, those I, are... I, I love that. I love that scenery, I, or that, that, that particular piece of furniture. I think it's... A, mm-hmm. like I look for it now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it is very funny how these, these props kind of get... Uh, you know, pushed back and forth between different productions, and um, it it is really fun to see. But uh, I will say that often the uh, the fans are the ones that notice it before we do, because um, you know, to us, it's it's sort of background dressing. It, it, it was it was just it was a job, you know. Um, it's it's really the fans who go out there and catalog this kind of stuff. Um, so often, I'll I'll be the one, <laughs> you know, learning this stuff for the first time from. Um, someone who watched the show 20 years after it aired, uh, which I think is is great too. <laughs> it's interesting to talk to the prop masters about this kind of thing because 
you never know when something that they bring in is they sourced from somewhere else or it was created just for the uh the production that you're currently working on and mm-hmm. especially working with the studio the kind of things that they have lying around on the lot for that are basically you know free grab bag for anyone who needs them is uh really numerous But, uh, making notes about that talk to prop masters <laughs> yeah i mean you'll find that the more distinct uh roles that you can speak with the more that you'll learn and you'll learn things that you never really you didn't know that you didn't know um the the, the knowledge that these people have is so specialized and unique that it's always worth chatting them up like it's fun to talk to the the stars of course because they're on camera and they're uh, these bigger personalities, but <laughs> far from the only people worth talking to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I really enjoy, um, you know, just in terms of uh, things that are accessible. Um, you know, you get the Blu-rays, and I know, I know a few of them, a few episodes at least per per season have uh, you know audio commentary. Uh, Mike is on there a lot. Um, you know, talking talking effects and sets and all that stuff, which is uh, really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I unfortunately haven't watched as many of those as I would like to. Uh, but, uh, when, when, when I get the, the idea to, um, it's, it's always, always really interesting stuff that, that he, uh, he shares with us. So for me, I, I don't want to well, get think... Mike going too much. He's always a chatterbox. <laughs> that, that might just be my personal biases with him coming out. The people named Mike. Yeah. Just in general. <laughs> Actually, it's the serial numbers. I like to look for because it's always somebody's birthday or some significant date. Definitely. Oh, sure, like, sure, yes. Yeah, and then he winds up explaining it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, uh, another, another of our favorites on this podcast is all of the uh, the dirty pair references. Yeah, this is this is something I had no idea about until we started doing this show, and uh, <laughs> he would bring them in and be like, "Oh yeah, this poster on the wall, or this uh, this serial number is a reference to the day." Dirty pair was published in. Right, uh, yeah, there was. We then I don't think the poster ever got on camera. There was supposed to be a poster, I think. Um, I think it was supposed to be in Wesley's room, right? But uh, it, it just never ended up materializing. I think maybe it was like a little too in your face, but. I mean, having a poster in general in uh, uh, on the set dressing of of TNG is a little. <laughs> yeah, it's a little strange. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So do you want to go Not through no, this? No. You want to go through this episode chronologically, uh, as as we do, as we do, or perhaps reverse chronologically, just to see if we're still <laughs> able to reason, and uh, and and roll with the changes. Of course, uh, yeah. I think I think that would be a little too uh, a little too experimental, though. Well, that's uh, kind of a we theme. would need significant preparation for 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 that. Um, we'll 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 go through this as as we usually do. We uh, um, for uh, for Captain Kirk's uh, information, we. Uh, we generally just roll through the episode narratively, um, summarize it quickly, and because it, it, you know, it's jogs, jogs your memory and kind of helps you um, get your opinions in place. And at the end, we often come to a, a, a very different conclusion than we had at the beginning. Yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes we, for the worse. <laughs> sometimes we like it more. Sometimes we like it less. I do want to point out um, to the astute viewer and to the astute co-host that uh, I did, in fact forget the question of the week but it's coming it's a coming okay okay why don't we do that after 
do that after the uh, after the, after everything else. That'll just that'll cap us off. Well, we still got trivia. You, you do you did prepare trivia, right? I don't have any trivia for you. you no. So you had well, one well, job. Okay. I'm, it, it, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm running out. I'm ru- unless I start diving into. The, oh, I, I want to ask Captain Kirk. Do you know about? Yeah. It, it, have you have you read any Star Trek novels? Uh, in a, a few, yeah, a few, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it was it was something that we had never really explored uh, okay. before, um, and I, I have sitting on my shelf next to me that I that I had just bought a few weeks ago this uh, Star Trek meets X Men novel. Um, oh, thrilling! No way! <laughs> yes, okay. yes, it's uh, it does exist. Um, I tried reading it and uh, didn't get too far, but I'm trying to mine it. For uh, interesting information, um, is is this a an actual novel or is it a it graphic is a, novel? It's a proper novel. Yes, I know. Okay. Surprising, I know. Wow. Um, <laughs> and and needless to say, I don't really know too much about the X Men. Um, I can help you there. <laughs> oh, you, you you know X Men? That's good. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah, I, I used to hang out with uh, John Byrne at uh, Fan Expo Boston. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Don't yeah. Worry. So you know what? You should read the novel. You should read the novel and then tell us about it. (laughs) Okay, that's a future episode. I want. Yes, there we go. I like that idea. That's great. Um, (laughs) Cool. Uh, All right. Yeah. So, um, data's day. Yeah. Let's let's go through it. We have. um, uh, It's a data episode. It's also you know riding the tail of O'Brien's increasing popularity as a character. Yeah. Uh, I think I think this is the episode that. uh, it made Combs something of a heartthrob in the Asian American community for a few years. Definitely. I mean, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. It might be a little hard to imagine, I guess, looking at it retrospectively, but at the time, um, Colm, and that was the reason he later got onto DS9 in a major role. Um, just a lot more popular than anybody really envisioned that character becoming. Right. It, it all started really, um, with that episode, uh, What's what's the name? The one where Data makes a daughter. Oh, the offspring. Offspring. The offspring. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. Um, Lavar. Favorite episode. It's it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, Lavar had an accident, and I can't remember exactly why he was out. But um, his role in the final scene, uh, Colm replaced him, and um, that was kind of what put him on the map. For for whatever reason, he we started getting you know mail about how much people loved him um how much they wanted to see more of him and and that was kind of what prompted everyone to yeah yeah kind of he he sort of got a spotlight after that which was nice i mean he's a great character yeah a great actor i it, it's it's fun going back to the first episode and seeing him uh, where he's not really o'brien yet he's just just some guy and uh knowing that right this 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 minor role is really going to evolve, and well, especially as a DS Nine fan. Yes, <laughs> one of the rare DS Nine fans in existence. But um, this is just another step of that of that evolution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and it's I really took particular note of um, when he gets you know really angry that his wedding's been canceled. Of course, um, he <laughs> that's very very typical O'Brien the the way that that reaction panned out so mm-hmm. the character still has a long way to go but it's it's clearly formed already even this early into things yeah 
he's a Dubliner, isn't he? Yes. In in both yes. um, demeanor and appearance. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's actually very true to you know to the Dubliner way. I mean, they uh, you know they freak out, they get upset, and then they figure out what went wrong afterwards, and then they say sorry for <laughs> it. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, which which is a a really nice addition uh, to the TNG cast in particular. Uh, I, I know once we start um, getting into DS Nine territory, the characters are all a little more bombastic, I guess you might say, or uh, willing to, or, or, or the the writers were willing to kind of put them in conflicting situations. But uh, I would say three dimensional. They're more three dimensional. Okay, all right, all right. Calm down, calm down. Well, this TNG is, this is a great show. This is Michael Pillar's season, isn't it? Like season four? Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Yeah, where he, he said that he had a chance to really feel like he made an imprint on the series, if I remember right. correctly. Right, and, and and he did. I mean, even even with season three, I think we were trending toward that too. Right, I think so, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's and, and I, I think there's so many great episodes in this season too that uh, you do see those changes. And I think, um, especially with... Uh, Rick Berman and 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 I think this is Brandon Braga's internship. For season four. Yeah, you know what? You might be right about that. I always the have time, as I say, it blends together. But yeah, you might be right yeah. about that. Yeah, see, so I, I think there's a lot of influences, and and it's it's a great it's a great season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What I like is that you can clearly see both behind and in front of the camera the end result in the production. Uh, the evolution from season to season, not just in how the final product looks, but in in how it was made. And when I we when we went through our memories of season two or season one, just a far cry from the way that episodes like this are were being made. Mm -hmm. Thanks in no small part to the uh, you know changes in showrunners and producers and all that. Yeah, and and you know of course uh, you know the 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 sets got incredibly more complex and um frankly much better looking yeah <laughs> that that was always a uh an issue back in season one where we would have just these these bizarre looking um sets for for you know outdoor right uh, where, sections of these planets where it looked like community theater with the uh the <laughs> the flatly lit uh screen in the back <laughs> right 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 <laughs> And, and doesn't Jerry Taylor uh, join as supervising producer? Oh, jeez. Well? I, God, season four. I'm searching the annals of my mind. I, I think, because I'm, I'm remembering Jonathan Frakes saying, and this is like way back in 2016, but I think he said that when Jerry Taylor came on, she was like a den mother. That's definitely true. And, I'm just trying to work she out really the timing. Took care of the cast. Yeah, yeah, she she certainly did. Um, the thing but about as for yeah, as for when she came on, yeah, I'm not I'm not down. I can't remember the, either. The thing about Frakes, and you probably know this, is that Frakes has a memory like a hawk, like a steel trap. I love Frakes. Like if if there's anybody I fanboy over, mm -hmm. it's this guy. Oh, good. I we just, can connect yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's not just the charisma, but it's it's like you said, it's his memory, and and the fact that he can pull up like uh, an analogy or an incident to back up like a current situation <clears throat> at the moment. Um, yeah, it, it's 
yeah, like you feel instantly comfortable because this is a guy who knows his shit, not just about the show, but about life in general. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. And 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 when when he wants to do something, he goes like full steam ahead. Uh, he's oh, he's very yeah. uh, very dedicated to to pretty much everything he does, everything he gets yeah. into. Yeah, I, I'm overwhelmed by this guy's like when I'm in his presence, it's just like I resort to just like going, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> work. Okay, Mr. Franks. <laughs> if you ever want to surprise him and perhaps elicit a chuckle, my recommendation is to buy him an onion bagel. Thank you. <laughs> those, um, if I mean, I remember a lot of things about John, but his propensity for for those things is a. Uh, Chief among them. Legendary. Legendary. Um I don't know about any more. Uh but but back then, yes, it was it was always the onion bagel. <laughs> we joke that those were the source of his powers. Although that joke might be a little more real than uh than we intended. <laughs> Onions are good for you. Are they? Is it is it they're the, great, yes. Is it their layered nature? Well, uh, I think you know, many societies historically, I think, have found them to be uh, somewhat medicinal, at least. Ah, I heard that they ward off vampires. They do. They do that as well, which is why I stay away from them. Aha, of course. So, Data's Day, which uh, you might have forgotten is the episode that we're discussing, starts out with the titular Data, who is being relieved off of Nightwatch, which already is like a cool little... Day in the life lore thing that that yeah, I enjoyed. Yeah, th this is the uh, the first appearance of Nightwatch. I, this this is what we in the biz call a happy accident. Mm. Um, it, it it really came about because I I think it was one of the lighting guys kind of just bumped a switch while we were in the middle of filming because because before um the lighting varied on the bridge just sort of randomly um or or as needed. Uh, this this was the first time we really called attention to deliberately. Um, setting the you know the the light levels for for night watch and and everyone figured it made perfect logical sense for humans to work third shift in the dark I guess yeah it's one of those things that falls apart the more you think about it but insofar as just a quick creative moment of somebody accidentally hitting the light switch and it dimming the lights and like yeah leave it in we'll keep that it, I will say I will say that it it, it led to the creation of um, what is perhaps my favorite YouTube video. Which is a uh, a ten something hour, um, just a, a view of of the bridge at night with beeping sounds in the background. Ah, that's the mm -hmm. the home. Yeah, I I, I put that on while I uh, sit in my chair and oh, I know sleep. I know. Okay, I want that now. <laughs> I um, <laughs> one thing I'll say about the night watch stuff, accidental or otherwise, is that it gives almost the feeling of a stage play how the lights start dimmed and then they come on and then at the very mm. end they dim again at the conclusion of the action um mm -hmm. which is vaguely artistic is how i'll describe vaguely. it <laughs> but we start with with voiceover from data who is um communicating with commander maddox i believe maddox yep yep yeah yep who is the, that's the name of the, um, for longtime fans will know, that's the name of the guy from uh, Measure of a Man. But mm -hmm. it's funny because this was not intentional. In fact, a lot of the, the voiceover stuff in and of itself was kind of an afterthought. The original vision 
for that episode, this episode, was that it would be, I don't want to say avant-garde, but maybe a little out there, where there would be a lot of, kind of like, I guess, the first Star Trek movie, or um, 2001, there'd be a lot of stretches of silence with just the sounds of humming, the ship humming, computers, the engine, whatever, as Data went about his day, but similar to the uh, the Romulan plot that was added, it was just a little too inaccessible for most viewers, so the expository narration was added. Now, as for the Maddox stuff, that was just one of the names that came out of the naming hat, which turned out to be the same name as Maddox from Measure of a Man, which... Again, oh, really? Yeah, which, again, just a happy little coincidence. I never knew that. I, I thought it was 100% deliberate. Well, this is why it's, it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation, right? If something is cool then why ruin it by explaining it? Which is kind of, sure. what, kind of what I just did. Well, <laughs> I hope fans will forgive me, but... Yeah, but you have fans that like to know how the sausage was made, so this is, you know, somebody's going to geek out over this. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Sometimes it's really cool and uh, and pretty how that sausage is made, and then other times it's I don't, a little disappointing, depending on your perspective, but right. either way, knowledge is power, and it's good to know. But I will continue pretending that uh, it was always supposed to be the same Maddox. Me too. Yep. I, yeah. I, I am happy I, I, in that world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I don't want to. I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. Whatever you, however you get the most enjoyment out of the show, I think is uh, the best way to roll. We're not. We're not yuck yum yuckers on the readier room. Let Certainly it, not. We're, it, we're yum yummers. We're yum yummers. That's right. <laughs> yes, yummy that yum. Yes. So absolutely. Data he alludes to a lot going on on the the Enterprise. This is kind of like a joke. He's like, "All right, today we got a wedding, an ambassador, two chess tournaments. Um, uh, someone's giving birth. So a typical day." Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I, well, there are there are how many people on the Enterprise? um 1500 ish maybe if i'm recalling i'm trying to remember that episode where crusher uh goes right. insane and she's like oh right there's only 1500 people here Whatever. that's my that's my only frame of reference to right right at this minute um but anyway yes average day two chess tournaments i did find the two chess tournaments to be a little a little ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit of minutia that we didn't need to know. Yeah. But. Well, it's it's more it, it's it, it's more so the fact that there's two concurrent chess tournaments. How how big is the enterprise that you can't just consolidate them into one chess tournament? Is is my question. Well, because it's like east side and west side, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, maybe maybe the, the the winner of each faces off in the end. The, the Jets yes, and the and, Sharks. And then they get a plaque on, you know, Picard, Captain Picard Day. and <laughs> <laughs> It's a junior chess tournament. <laughs> yes, yeah, there, there you go. All right. And, and uh, Data's going to crash it. Yes. <laughs> yes. One of the cut scenes of this episode had Data kind of, it was, it was only a minute or so, but he was walking between the two chess tournaments and the joke would be that he's like making a bunch of moves in a bunch of different games and... Uh, you know, outsmarting a lot of people, but it didn't really add anything to the episode. It was just a little laugh, so you can look for that one on the Blu-ray, I believe. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I know it was. Believe it or not, I know it was on the laser disc, but that was God knows how long ago. 
And there's your age. Yeah, oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, you mean people still aren't using laser discs? They're they were brand new. They just came out. Oh. I I miss the laser disc. To be honest. Yeah, you really had to work to watch something, which really made it, worth <laughs> it made it. you feel good about it. <laughs> just hefty. No, they were they were they were yeah they were nice and hefty. You know, you would go and buy uh, if if you went to the store and bought a few laser discs, uh. You had to haul those home. They were, yeah. they were rough. Um, I distinctly remember um, there was a point where I, I didn't have a car, and I, I had gone um, and bought, and I can't even remember what which ones they were, but they they were some kind of special edition of some show. They were very these big bulky things, mm. and uh, I bought six of them, I think, um, and I, I was I was with a friend. And so we both had three each, and, and we had to haul them back to my house, which was something like a 20-minute walk. And uh, halfway through, we had to just sit down and, and take a break. It was just <laughs> way too much. That was but your, the quality was nice. Your weight training for that day. It was, yes. Yeah. Now, if I yeah, were... there was also a status symbol. Like, sure, you know, you, absolutely. You had, you had laser discs. Ooh, right, like... right. <laughs> Even the yeah. name sounded intimidating, you know? Like, yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> I, I mean, even when DVD came out, they were still, I think, better than, uh, you know, just in terms of quality, weren't they? I remember exactly one time I saw somebody who had a um, a Laserdisc player that would change the disc automatically. Yes, yes. And those things oh. were huge. Yeah. You can the imagine. The Holy Grail. You can imagine how big that machine would have to be given the size of the, the laser disc. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ! And that guy—that's the same guy that had like, you know, the, the big stereo inside of the glass case. And uh, I mean, mm -hmm. stereos in general are another thing that's kind of being phased out. Yeah, yeah, a stereo wall. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You had a giant cabinet, and it was like you walked in, and you, you had to bow to give obeisance to the technological <laughs> god that the you know room was devoted to. It was like right. Uh, uh, flick all that analog stuff all the had lights a, come on. It, yeah, it, it had a certain uh, a certain comfort to it. I, I do miss it, <clears throat> but if only well, you know, you, you it can't... was evidence of your you know, stereo power. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you can't go back. You can you can right. you, you can go out and buy like a an analog record player, but you're not going to convince the the multitudes that that uh, you're not insane. So well, it's coming back with the kids now, or it has been for a few are, years. Are they? Are they doing mm -hmm. this? Yeah, yeah. You go to the store, you can buy them now. Those, I mean, all that uh, even cassette tapes, which is I find ridiculous. Well, that's unreal. What about um? What about mini discs? I don't think mini discs have made a comeback. How about uh, uh, as long as we don't have like a renaissance of like zip drives and 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 oh, right. I love the zip drive. I don't I don't know why, but I love the zip drive. I have very very fond memories of of the zip drive of all things. <laughs> uh, well, while while we're on this topic, uh, video CDs. How about those? Oh God, I don't think I've ever used one of those. No, you wouldn't have. I mean, they they were very big, and uh, I think they're still somewhat big in like Southeast Asia. Okay, okay. Terrible quality, terrible quality. But they're but, still uh, really big there. Quaint, yeah, yeah. I I think. I'm, don't quote me on that. Now, in in layman's terms, the difference of a video CD and a DVD cannot be that that large. <laughs> 
<laughs> if if you want to believe that, sure. Well, in again, in layman's terms, because somebody like me, I'm not so well versed in um, media formats. No, if 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 you watch them, you would you would notice. Okay. Okay. They're terrible quality. Do you think that uh, TNG was ever released on video CD? I I honestly oh, wouldn't wow. be too surprised. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Japan actually, because video CD was big in in Japan actually for for a while, a short while, but but long enough. Was the, uh, was TNG that play in Japan? Is it I'm popular? not sure. Yeah, I mean, I, localization is one of the the elements of the show that I've I, I have no experience in. That was always handled yeah, complete out of, ignorance out of house. So who knows? But. Uh, Anyway, Data's Day. Data's Day. We're still talking about Data's Day. Right. <laughs> we're trying. I think we're up to Keiko now. <laughs> we are up to Keiko. Yeah, we're we're about five minutes into the episode now. Yeah, I guess the episode <laughs> starts off with uh with the end of the wedding, the the cancellation of it. Right, right, and we get right. um we get a very uh very interesting costume from uh from from Rosalind here. Uh, yes. We we got. I do have to note that we. I think I think I remember hearing we got a lot of mail from. Um, representatives of several uh, Japan America societies that the uh, those those chopsticks in her hair they they were yeah. placed in such a way that um, it would ostensibly invoke three years bad luck. Yeah, it was kind oh. of yeah, it was a minor thing, but it's kind of it's it, it's it, one of those things you don't think of. It's like if a character just walks under a ladder, right? Like it doesn't sure. really matter. It's not like insane to do it, but it, culturally, it has a significance. Right, and and Rosalind obviously isn't Japanese um, herself, so uh, would not have been privy to the uh, the cultural faux pas that uh, <laughs> that, that we were uh, uh, committing here. See, this is actually my my only um, actually. There's two things about the wedding that 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 stood out when I first saw them. First mm. of all, this is the only criticism I have pretty much about the, the episode is that I I really didn't buy. Keiko not going like getting cold feet mm. because there's no reason for her to go get cold feet throughout the episode. It's just basically she's just upset she doesn't want to get married. <laughs> and I remember point. watching this. I remember watching this as a teenager, thinking, "Is that what? Is that what happens? Like, does that does that happen in in weddings? That that the bride decides, <laughs> no, I'm not going to get married." And I think it actually affected me. That, like, oh, I don't want to get married. I don't want to go right. through that embarrassment. Right. Right. So, like, as a teenager, I'm thinking to myself, shit, like, marriage, it doesn't look good from the start. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't buy that. But the second thing that, that stood out to me is that didn't Gene Roddenberry get married, Japanese style, to, to Magil? Oh, God. You, y yes, that's right. So this so is like a little bit of a tribute. connection there. So Yeah, maybe. I did not know yeah. about this, but that makes complete sense hilarious yeah 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 it was a, it was a japanese wedding for him and magil because i remember speaking to to rod about it and he was really nice i interviewed rod and, and, and trevor and i mm -hmm. remember them telling me about uh gene and magil's wedding and i was like wow <laughs> right yeah it's it's, really it's different <laughs> i mean it, it uh it, it fits gene for sure that's definitely mm. something he would have done um but yeah maybe, maybe this is kind of a kind of a callback and I was, yeah, I was wondering about the, the the placement of that. I was wondering about the choice, and this is one of those questions that that 
you know, when you watch the episode at the time, I didn't know, right? Because I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't you know privy to that background until later on. But years later, it's like, well, I know that Gene got married this way, but at that point, he wasn't involved in the show anymore, right? Right, right. Why, why, why is it a Japanese wedding? And sure, it, it's been a question. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe one of the listeners can come up with a, a reason. But yeah, maybe. I mean, to to be fair, we did have a number of uh, I guess you might call Japanophiles, uh, obviously working on the show. So it might have just been kind of a, an arbitrary decision, um, give it some kind of exotic flair. Uh, my, it's yeah. lovely. My it's, it's, it's sure. Beautiful. Sure. When you look at it. You think it's really it stands out, right? It's it's very camera friendly. Um, but absolutely, at the same time, you wonder about the background of something. So, yeah, yeah. My, my image was that it was that an, effort, another. Like, why wouldn't Why wouldn't Keiko want to get married? I mean, come on! Like all this effort. <laughs> That's a great point, and and something that I didn't. Um, I've never thought about that is that yeah, we never do really get the explanation for that. Right. I have two uh, things to say about this. One of them is that as for the wedding being Japanese, I think my thought at the time was that it was just another element of Trek's multiculturalism. Um, it's like, all right, we're going to have, uh, an, an Eastern style wedding, which is fine. And, but as for the Keiko thing, I gotta be negative again, because okay. if the end of the episode, the, the, the third quarter, the third act, whatever, wasn't preoccupied with resolving <laughs> this Romulan stuff, then there would have been time to actually have proper, I don't know, character development or, um, an explanation for Keiko's uh, That's true. emotions, her actions, um, something more meaningful in that regard. But because of the way that that was kind of shoehorned in, everything was everything else was less developed by proxy. Because I agree, that is a big flaw of the episode, but it didn't necessarily have to be that way. That's that's a fair point, um, and I guess <clears throat> I guess the the thought was that. You know, whatever could be bothering Keiko probably wouldn't be interesting to the the general audience, <laughs> um, given given the the backdrop of the episode and generally what's going on, which is kind of slice of life again. Yeah, but I, yeah, I th- but there is, mm-hmm. go. Ahead. I think that Wait, there, uh, yep. yeah, you go, you go. You're the guest. You got <laughs> it. <laughs> but what I was going to say, like you're right though, because the, you know this this is something that they could have expanded upon. Because why is Data her father? Why is Data standing in as her father, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the question. What happened, yes. to, what happened to Keiko's parents? And th- there's a question right there because this is such a an intimate and, and lovely ceremony. Where are her parents? And there's no explanation why Data stands in as her father. And I, I know they, they throw this little excuse that they introduced, he introduced the two of them together. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but you really want to think about who's going to give you away at your wedding, and Data's an android. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and not to disparage Data, but at the same time, you know, where's where's the familial attachment here? Like, you can't just say, oh, thanks for, like, introducing the two of us together. You can give me away at my wedding. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I guess the implication is, as you said, he introduced them. He's supposedly close with Keiko, and and maybe maybe the issue is the you know the Enterprise is too far out in space or something for the the uh, Keiko's parents to, to kind of rendezvous. Yeah. I yeah. don't know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's an interesting observation. Yeah, for the uh, the the bond between Keiko, Data, and O'Brien feels a lot like it's just told about rather than shown. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, even yeah. in the scenes they have together, Keiko doesn't seem really all that attached to, to Data or all that friendly with him, more than normal anybody would be. So well, yeah, well, you, you got Troy like rubbing up on him. Yeah, that, that was a little strange, but um, so I again, all of that could have used more time to be developed within this episode. Although the best course of action would be to to actually seed these things before this episode in other ones. Where but what are you gonna do? I mean, yeah, um, the the best course maybe maybe a two parter, huh? Oh the Lord, <laughs> Data Data's weekend, weekend at Data's, yeah. <laughs> weekend at Data's. <laughs> but alas, but so Data goes to Keiko in, in the Arboretum, and she's getting cold feet. And I take a lot of umbrage with what happens next. She says, "Oh, right, I need you to go tell O'Brien this," um, and Data does it, completely ignorant of what's the reaction is going to be. He's like, Oh, Brian, I got really good news. Your wedding has been canceled. And, uh, I don't, I don't think at this point in the show, data is that, um, ignorant of, <laughs> of people. It, it feels right. like they're playing fast and loose with, uh, with well, they always, the, I mean, the handling of data. I thought it was funny, but yeah, that's, that's fair. It's mildly humorous, but I don't know. I, I'm a stickler. I stickle. Yeah. Yeah, you you are uh, you are very very uh, protective of the canon. Yes, yes, and uh, it's because that's the canon that defends um, us from in, you know invaders. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So O'Brien and we noted his his Dubliner reaction earlier, which was uh, you know a nice little display of his character and what it ultimately will become. Well, his his line is of all the irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. You see the steam coming out of his ears as yeah. his face turns red. <laughs> um. So yeah, then then we got uh, abrupt switch over to the um, the ambassador, right? Yes. And I don't know. I don't know if much needs to be said. We can probably wrap up the ambassador plot line uh, pretty quickly here because it's kind of an afterthought. Um. But to preface that, I really actually do like the the opening scene where you see the Enterprise next to the Ambassador class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's a really cool image. I do like that. I, so, I've always always appreciated the uh, the the ships, and and we we get especially in the um, the restoration that we have now, which is unbelievable. Um, we get a few really cool shots uh, in this episode. Neato. I said neato. That's I mean, fine. It is neato. <laughs> it's it's neato. Yeah. Um, so the ambassador stuff, I it never really it never really gripped me. Um, the only moment I enjoyed was when the ambassador was a complete dick to Riker for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which so, was that? So, woman. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So um, it's Picard, Data, Riker, and the ambassador in the ready room, and uh, oh right, Picard right. introduces Riker. This is my first officer, Commander Riker, and her only response is leave, leave us. Go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is Data's uh, portal into reflecting on the nature of sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's there's not too much interesting going on with this. Um, we actually do get 
it it does take up a lot of time now that I'm yeah. reflecting back yeah. on it because we we have data, you know, doing his investigation. Um, which I I feel like this would be interesting if it wasn't quite so obvious. Yeah, or if there was rather in opposition to everything I've said before, put more time to this where Data is doing an actual deductive investigation you know they invoke sherlock holmes really lean mm-hmm. into that more and have that be kind of the focus of the episode well he should he should have dressed up and gone to the hollow deck yes of course <laughs> <laughs> okay let's here's another concept for this episode data has to do a deductive investigation about the ambassador his he's out of options so he turns to the holographic projection of moriarty for help who then <laughs> makes his dramatic reappearance. Gotta, gotta get Moriarty back in there early. Hell yeah. We can make him a supporting character. We'll make, <laughs> we'll make him the doctor. Well, and, and this is the, the time when Data's, uh, Data uh, regrets not having, you know, what humans call a gut instinct. Mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. He, when he asks the ambassador, why are you asking me about the defensive nature of the Enterprise? <laughs> right, right. Uh, and and as a member of the audience, it's almost a frustrating scene because yeah, it is it is very obvious, uh, very obvious uh, what's what's going on. Um, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's it's. <sighs> what are you going to do? I the one I the one I don't I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to square square this this plot line away with with the time that we had for it. That's all. The one interesting thing I'll say about this this plot line is that it's a rare case of the Enterprise crew losing, being outsmarted. Because yes, that's true. The Romulans true. do get away, execute, and get away with their plan. Um, the, no justice is served. The Enterprise doesn't win in that engagement, and uh, they just have to go home. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was. Yeah, I was going to say something about that, but I I didn't look at it as as the Enterprise. I looked at it as an example of Captain Picard, you know, showing that he's infallible, or he's not infallible, I should say. That sure. you know he can make mistakes, right? Yeah. Which... And I, because it's it's interesting how when Riker says to him, you know, sometimes you get the bear, and you know other days the bear gets you. And it's like, it's it's not the Enterprise. Like, Riker's like, yeah, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. And I, I think that is, again, I mean, you go back to that scene with Data in the Ambassador's room. I think that is kind of what makes it so frustrating is that, uh, you know, as, as a member of the audience, you're watching the characters be just, you know, one thread away from figuring this out uh, before it happens. Um, but yeah, I mean... That's the only good... Hmm. Um, thing about this plot line, and I think you're right about it. Like th- th- this is a terrible subplot because it, it's it's a detention sucker. Um, it really just isn't entertaining. It's it's easy to figure out. We can see something's wrong with her from the very beginning, and as soon mm-hmm. as the warbirds are mentioned, as soon as the Romulans are into the scene, you know, oh, okay, she's got to be a Romulan. You, you figure that <laughs> yes. out like right away, <laughs> right. And, and, right. And, and and it takes away. And you're right. It actually it takes away from Keiko's wedding. Mm-hmm. And the only good thing about it is that it shows Jean-Luc Picard not to be perfect. That's the only good thing, but it's such a minor thing, and nobody likes that. <laughs> this this whole subplot sucks. You're right. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, Mitch, you've changed minds. This is what we were talking about when we're saying how we sometimes end up on a different place on uh, our thoughts on the episode than, than when, when we start this discussion. Not it is say. it is very interesting how uh, how dramatically um, your view on on an episode can change. You know, when, when you sit and talk it through versus just uh, even having watched it, you know, a dozen times. Yeah. Well, this is the fun of the analysis, right? Exactly. Absolutely. It's why we do the show. There you go. Now, to put that to bed, next for data, is it the dancing stuff? No, it's the barber. Oh, yes. Yes. Now, yes, I... He's going to talk about Geordie's uh, uh, lunkhead. It's yes. The lunkhead bit. Yes. The lunkhead, yes. This was one of my favorite memories on set. So, Brent Spiner lovely comedian lovely guy really and that was quite a long day of shooting and I, I he chose that scene rather us filming it as a time to put some levity into our day and there's a lot of outtakes that you will never ever see of him substituting in more colorful language than uh, than lunkhead in uh, <laughs> his reading of that line and it had we were rolling for for hours i think by like the you know hour five or so, we just kind of wanted to get on with the scene, but for the, it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, Brent, he just every t- he, he, he really knew uh, he knew how to get us. Yeah, he got Lavar too. Like I've never seen Lavar laugh as hard as I did mm-hmm. in uh, when we were filming that. Now that barber, that blue guy, I know he shows up several times, but was this his first appearance? This was his first right. appearance. Yeah. Huh? Uh, Mr. Mott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was cool to have such a distinct um, uh, alien race for the barber. I believe that's the same race that was uh, that one ensign in the episode where Picard was abducted along with three other people. Into yeah, I think role. you're right. That's a yes, yes. That's it. Yeah. Aliens, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and and. Again, I really like that we're seeing all these very mundane little sections of the Enterprise now. Um, in this scene particularly, I enjoy that, um, you know, makeup spent all this time uh, putting together this alien in the background with this crazy hair. That Yeah, and the, uh, <laughs> this, the futuristic way of, of dyeing it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all that effort spent just, just you know, for like a little background shot, uh, which is appreciated, I think, when when you see it. Um, in the final result. Well, a lot of the times uh, an alien is introduced in the background, a new alien, it's kind of like a test run uh, for the camera readiness of, of this race. Is it something we should use in the future? Is it something that's mm. more trouble than it's worth? How does the end result look? Um, and we never see this race again, if I recall. So that one must yeah, not, not have sure. been, that juice must not have been worth the squeeze for makeup. Because mm. it is pretty elaborate. It is. It's very elaborate. Yeah, the fold and everything. Yeah, it's. Uh, but uh, you know, the the effort was worth it because that character stands out in our minds and and has shown up in various iterations of Trek afterwards. Oh, really? After TNG. Yep. Yep. You see the, the you see the Bolian in Deep Space Nine. You see the Bolian in. Oh, the blue guy. Yeah. 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 And and actually, you see him in Lower Decks. So they even incorporate that in into uh, into other versions of Trek. So it's mm. yeah, it, it's it, it's become an iconic character. 
Uh, yeah. There's also the um the alien that's in the the barber's chair in the background, which is um oh with the hair. Yeah, yeah, which is its own distinct design, which is one yeah, I don't right. think has showed up again, unless I'm misremembering. Yeah, yeah. But the, and I love the uh, the tool that the barber is using, which you know changes the color of the hair, uh, and it's like three times. And it's interesting how data pauses to look at that, and <laughs> it's kind of cool to see what it was like. Whatever tool that is, um, so much uh, you know, so much technology for such a simple like. I mean, you just dye the damn stuff. You know? <laughs> uh, very, very bizarre little prop there too. Uh, I don't yeah. really remember what that was made out of, but uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely it catches your eye. I think it was a refashioned yeah. hair straightener. I mean, it's got that oh, long it? cylindrical appearance. Vaguely cylindrical. Vaguely. I mean, I haven't needed a hair straightener in far too long. <laughs> Sadly. Uh, good old days. Um, all right, so where are we? Uh, I, I do want to note that um, we get a scene with, with Data's cat for the first time. Spot. <clears throat> a lot of firsts this episode. Yeah, Spot. Yes, and um, he, he, he orders... <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Thank you. I'm wondering how deep this goes. <laughs> how many cat supplements there are? Not just cat, yeah. but w what else is, you know, can I order food for my lizard? Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Um, okay, here's something. Can the replicator replicate life? So if I have a lizard and it eats flies, um, can it replicate <laughs> that? Or can it only replicate a dead fly? Now, it can clearly replicate meat, right? The the characters are shown... Um, mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, eating things that used to be alive. So it can it can replicate organic matter. Can it replicate life? Is the this is question. a disturbing question we've never really touched upon. <laughs> We're piercing the envelope here. <laughs> Beyond the pale. Uh, well, the transporter does. Oh it God. does, yes. So yeah, maybe maybe you can just make that's that's terrifying. The the implications of that are just so maybe awful. the replicator is like a lesser grade of transporter that's restricted to only doing unliving material. But for the transporter, there has to be like a you know a higher degree of protocol. Right, right. That's true. You're, you're remanufacturing you know living creatures. Mm -hmm. And 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 you know we do have to note that it is remanufacturing, of course. Um, and, and also, you know, you, you have like proper, um, really experienced engineers, like teams of engineers working on these, these, uh, transporters. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it stands to reason that they would be a little bit more complex in their function. Um, so but ultimately, if you, want, if you wanted <clears throat> live food, you'd have to transport it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, I guess this is a question that we should just, uh, pretend we didn't ask. <laughs> for our own sanity the listener's sanity everyone <laughs> you could you i could just see the emails coming in now about like right. essays on preservation of life and <laughs> I, I would be more than happy to read those uh <laughs> um here folks you heard it here folks this is what you do you send in emails now yes, topic. yes. just is the ad nauseum please just give us we'll read them it'll be perfect um yeah uh all right so so yeah then o'brien comes in asks data to to talk to keiko right 
Um, in perhaps the a most line that tickled scene me. of all time. I liked it. I liked it. But a line that tickled me uh, is is when Data asked, you know, would Counselor Troy, Troy, Counselor Troy, not be a more appropriate choice? Um, and I laughed because no. Uh, she wouldn't um if anything if if the previous episodes are anything to go by no not really uh, um, but uh yeah, i like this scene. one of our favorite running uh it's not quite a joke just running observations on the readier room is that counselor troy is not not all that great at at, at her job <laughs> yeah she's not written particularly well it's mostly a very obvious tense situation, and then Troy will say, I feel tension. <laughs> um, but Data does end up going to Troy, eventually. Yeah, so. yeah. and uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't recall the contents of their conversation, other than just uh, Data reflecting on what's happening. Is this the first time that she wears that uh, sort of skirt outfit? I want to say no. But yeah, I think yeah. I've seen it before. Definitely seen it before. But like, well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm honestly, I'm honestly on this because I don't know. So. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't say definitively, but I, I do feel like on this, this particular re rewatch that we have seen it before, but maybe definitely not frequently. That's that's an, uh, obvious, but I'm not sure. She she's been having quite a few outfit changes uh this season, yeah. I think. Which all, is nice, I guess. All of them more <laughs> interesting than the last. <laughs> uh you you remember the uh the the hair they had her in in the first season. Oh god, with crazy. that crazy weird scarab ornament stuck in there. Yeah. Uh, glad that was uh that was killed early. Yes. We got to get to um I forget what episode it is, but it's the one where some other guy takes over the the captain's chair of the Enterprise and just mm. immediately says to Troy, oh, like, put on, put on a fucking uniform. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's when Picard uh, does the uh, it's it's the, the there are four lights. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a great episode. I love yeah, that. Very, I, yeah. I think everyone everyone loves yeah. that one. Yeah, everyone's in the uh, top five. Like absolutely, choices. yeah. Everyone loves that one because of the uh, the great implementation of the Cardassians, which coincidentally is why everybody loves okay. Deep Space Nine. Okay, all right, all right, calm down. <laughs> this guy didn't even touch Deep Space Nine, and now he loves it. I <laughs> love Deep Space Nine. It's I I, yeah. I love it too. It's just the last episode. I just I didn't want it to end that way. You didn't like the ending of Deep Space Nine. Expand I on that. I, I, I need, I need more Benjamin Sisko in my life. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Yeah. I mean, yeah. spoiler but... alert. Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a pretty rather open ended ending by design. Um, so it's not not as final as that uh, illusion might might make one believe. But I I, I see what you mean. Yeah. I, I I need him. To, it's it's like you know he's found Cassidy Yates and he deserves a life with somebody who loves him um, to replace you know Jennifer and it's 
don't know. Maybe I'm just being, you know, overly sentimental, but I just finished watching R Ricky Gervais's uh, Afterlife, so I'm probably just feeling that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so did Ricky Gervais go to uh, heaven or hell, or did he go nowhere, which is more in line with his beliefs? He doesn't believe it. <laughs> so anyway it's a, it's a different plot. It's, I don't believe in it okay end of the show let's move on <laughs> I, I'm sorry to steer us into Deep Space Nine territory I know that uh, certain co-hosts will or fuming oh, it, 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 no it doesn't offend me it's uh, you know we're not discussing Deep Space if, if you if you get on Deep Space Nine recently you, you will talk for hours this is true I have and yes. I will and, and it's one of my favorite it's it's yeah, it, it is probably my my second favorite track. Mm -hmm. Just simply because it, everybody's like, "Oh, it's a space station. Where's it gonna go?" Well, <clears throat> you don't actually have to physically go anywhere for stuff to happen. Right. The pandemic <laughs> proved that. Like, <laughs> you can have a but, story I mean, I, in I one location. It it's it's my yeah. favorite track series. There you go. Which is Very why I which is why I do a TNG podcast. But if you don't work on yes. Deep Space Nine, you don't have any stories to tell, and your hands are tied. Is yes. uh, is what I say. Um, well, I have a few. So, well, it, so you, I'm looking forward to your Deep Space Nine podcast. Oh, I, that's you know what? Thank you for the challenge. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, I just have to, um, you know, take a break from some of the other things that I'm doing in my life, I guess, and do something like that. But that is the great. I, I would love to do that. Well, you know, we all because got. You know, the, the IDW Comics is actually bringing back Benjamin Cisco. Really? Yes. Yeah. There's going to be like some, some new adventures with Benjamin Cisco coming up in IDW Comics. And if there's anything I do like, I do like Star Trek comics. Okay. Because they fill in those gaps, and you have some wonderful stories in all the various iterations of Trek that you can read and just enjoy. And there's so many, like all the creators are Trek fans, like you wouldn't believe. And John Van Sitters at uh, Paramount CBS. Like he's got his uh, finger in the pie there as well, and so there's a lot of like you know uh, near canonical uh, you know Trek influences into the story creations of the comics, and they're they're really great. Like they're fantastic it, stuff. It is it is nice that um, you know none of this ever has to really end. Yes, uh, we can just keep. And that's uh... what I love about the novels too, right? Like the novels mm -hmm. fill in those gaps as well. And we get like so, like we used to get like so, uh, so much information about our characters, our favorite characters. Like we didn't know that Uhura's name was Nyota until like uh, what was it called? Uh, what was that novel? Uh, Tears of the Singers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, there's some some fantastic information that's been filled in. Like we we found out about Sulu's daughter through the novels, and then they incorporated that into into the into the general storylines. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of those. Sure, sure. Yeah, and, but you know, thanks to, thanks to the internet, now we have uh, you know, basically a full encyclopedia on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah, and that's that's the great thing about memory alpha, right? Like it it, it even takes in that non-official information that you can go and and you know, you know, correlate and and, and cross-reference. Mm -hmm. So I'm just happy that we just can don't get me started about J.J. Abrams. <laughs> we we can keep living with these characters and these stories forever, really. Yes, yes. yes. Certainly until we die, Mitch. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, you, can, well, you live like I do. You drink as many lattes as I do, and uh, 
that death's <laughs> soon coming sooner rather than later. Um, all right, where were we? Where Date were we is in this day. episode? Date, Date is, is day. Date is day. Uh, Did he is he dancing yet? Uh, well, yeah, we we can we can talk about the dancing, I guess. I mean, um, he. You know, he talks to Troy. We get a few scenes of him going back and forth. He goes to Keiko. He goes to Troy. He's trying to figure out how to kind of navigate the situation. I did have one thing about the O'Brien scene, though. Sure, sure. can just go back a bit. Yeah, no problem. Like I told you guys, I I got a chance to talk with Brent Spiner last weekend on stage. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. And and so I did specifically ask him about Data's day. And one of the things that he did say about, um, you know, revealing Data's quarters, he had a problem with was why did data have a bed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like why was there a bed in the quarters and and <laughs> you know that scene where he invites o'brien in and says you know one of the ways that i've realized to make um you know to, to communicate emotionally um, with with my crewmates is to make sure they're comfortable so that's why he focuses so much on like you know would you like a seat would you like a cushion you know would sure. you like to recline like you know like <laughs> right right so, <clears throat> So one of the things I said was, well, maybe he has a bed there in case he has a sleepover. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, to, to so. me, it's not so jarring that Data would have a bed. Uh, his goal is not necessarily just to function logically. It's to emulate humanity. And uh, mm-hmm. a, a normal human's room would have a bed. So Data, in his quest to emulate humanity, his would too. And that, I don't know, that makes yeah, sense Yeah, that's a fair point. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then I, with um, the choreography, um, he said, "Well, Gates choreographed that whole dance sequence." Yes, yes. Yeah, her- and, and 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 he made a really interesting line. He uh, he, he said, um, uh, "To quote, Gates is a real choreographer, and she will tell you this." <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's very true. Um, yeah, Gates Gates had a hand in a lot of different. Um, different aspects of production well it's um, it's no coincidence that this scene exists right it's um right, yeah, yeah. We, we were <laughs> we were made aware that we had an active choreographer on the cast many times we were made aware of this and well uh, i think i think uh first of all yeah you know we figured or or someone figured rather that uh you know we might as well take advantage of this i do think the the dance wasn't tap dance at first, or at least I recall that. But uh, yeah, in any case, yes, uh, it was it was kind of just the result of us taking advantage of what we had, uh, which was great. Um, very, very long scene, though. Yes, a little too long, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I, I, I think that uh, the distinction between the, the slow dance and the tap dance didn't really need to be there. Like you can just have them tap dancing for a bit. All right, Data's learned to dance, and anything beyond that, I assume, was covered in the lesson. Um, mm-hmm. Or just go straight to the slow dance, and that's fine too. But a lot of time, and uh, but we had to have the t- we had to have the tap dance. Uh, of course, of course, of course. I, uh, I I think it was fine, but yeah, just shave shave a couple minutes off of the, you know, uh, give it give us something with a little more meat, but uh, you know whatever again more more examples of the fat that lines this episode uh, how long <laughs> the scene is the ambassador stuff um it's not a very economical episode in its use of time 
Uh, it, things move very fast after this. Yes. Uh, most mostly because we already discussed the ambassador uh, subplot. Um, you know, the ambassador appears to have died. Uh, on on her you, way over. Do you remember the ambassador's name? Oh, uh, it was like Tapel. It's either yes, Tapel. Yes. I for some reason I think there's another character in another episode episode named Patel, and this character is Tapel. And that really, really threw Maybe me. they're siblings. <laughs> that would be confusing. <laughs> Tapel, uh, Patel. Time for dinner. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to note that we do have a fish in the tank in the ready room. We're always big fans of Fish Watch. Mm-hmm. Fish Watch, we have a fish. Jeez. Um, and then... I don't know if anything really terribly... The wedding? Well, yes, that's what I was going to say. I don't know if anything terribly interesting happens until we, we get to the wedding. We go back to the Arboretum. Yeah, um, and Keiko's just fine now. Keiko's fine now. Miraculously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be thinking about this every time I watch this episode now. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, here, here's the crazy thing about this and if you want to apply this to like a life principle basically folks mm. what star trek is telling you about marriages is leave it alone and it'll sort itself out <laughs> which sometimes That's, it does maybe that is a lesson to learn i don't know the wedding advice right just leave it the fuck alone <laughs> uh, i might be coming around on this now with with that Looking through that lens, that's not not too bad. Uh, that's great, uh, but yeah, yeah. Then we get the wedding, which um, the 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 set dressing is great here. Uh, yeah, love it. Love the costumes. Um, the I want to say the the filming on this was moved up at least a day, maybe two. Um, you know, despite the complexity of of putting it together. Um, just because I don't know if he was joking or not, but Colm wouldn't stop asking when he'd get to kiss Rosalind. Okay, that's interesting because one of the things that Brent said is that he felt that they really should have been married in real life. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe it wasn't. Uh, maybe, maybe there really was like a connection there. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I we we. We moved it up um, just because he was he was kind of harping on it. I don't know. Maybe it was a joke. I don't know. Right. But <laughs> I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. The end result is that we filmed it a little <laughs> earlier. To me, that felt better just because with how complex the set was, if anything needed to be redone, we'd have time to do it. Um, luckily, we didn't have to, of course. It was all good. But, you know, I the more elaborate... Uh, scenes and shots. I'm a fan of getting them out of the way earlier rather than later. Mm -hmm. Leave the last day for for reshoots of um, you know Ry Riker sitting down in a chair because we messed that shot up. Whatever <laughs> it needs to be done. Um, but yeah, this wedding scene is very very striking. The costumes, of course. I I mean, of course, you know Keiko's uh, wedding dress, but. I really like the formal uniforms that the Enterprise crew wears. Yeah, those those are always episode, a pleasure but... to see uh, when they when they pop up because they are pretty rare. And and I think they look great. In fact, they're the best formal 
I remember the like I remember the TOS formal outfits and thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, no, yeah, right, but, right. <laughs> you know, when you see the the TNG formal outfits, they stand out. They really do look. They have a military bearing to them, and uh, this this whole scene. You're right. It just looks. It's it's a change of tone, um, and it really looks fantastic. Like mm-hmm. it's it, it, it's 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 a beautiful beautiful scene. Yeah, I, I do have to reiterate for probably the third time, but for being a bottle episode, we really see some some great sets. That's the thing, though. I don't know if you can classify this as a bottle episode with all the redress. It, it is with all the redress <laughs> sets. All oh, hold on, I'm not yeah. done yet. The, the okay, all right. The the attention that's gone into the costumes, the alien makeup, it's not as simple to put together as as a typical bottle episode. It's not as simple. You're right. Though. No, I actually, I gotta, I gotta go with Brandon on this one because it's like I said earlier in the beginning, like there's so many, like there's so many character insights, and those insights actually turn into like expansions into different plots and storylines later on, in in not just TNG but other iterations of Trek. So I think you're right; it's not a bottle episode. It has a lot of implications later on. So, um, especially like Riker, we get to see Riker's. Um, like womanizing, yeah, that too. When 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 oh, know, we love that. The, yeah, he's chatting up the security officer at the, which by the way is a trivia. I, I I have a trivia question for you guys. Oh my god, so, this is perfect. Yes, yes. So the um, there's is there is an actress who is in another science fiction series in this episode. Who is the who is the actress? Oh no! Oh no! Oh, oh Jesus! I'm terrible with with non-regular actors names in this show oh god it wasn't linda right linda was not on this one. Oh shit i i definitely am not i'm not sure so when, so when do we do the reveal when when, when you, you, you can just you can make fools of us now and uh oh no no, no i don't do that we'll I, I, the, the... we'll kick ourselves for we're not getting it immediately I'm sure. So speaking of the womanizing, so the security officer that that uh, Riker is chatting up is Patricia Tallman. God damn it. From Babylon 5. God damn it. Oh my god. Yes, okay. Yeah, I, I you know Babylon 5, I never really I never really got into personally. Um but wow, okay. I've never gotten into it, but I've seen enough of it that I'm ashamed right now. <laughs> But yeah, she's uh, that, that's uh, the uh, the psy officer. Yeah. In the, the uh, I think she joined in the third season. Mm-hmm. What was her name? Lita Lita Hall was that right? Oh, I'd have to look that up. But it's, it's yeah. Patricia Tolman, yeah. Like, who's a very striking actress. I mean, who's had a very interesting career. She's been a stunt woman. Um, but you might see her at uh, at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas because she was in that episode. It's there's a lot of people that are just oddly Trek alumni that you just yes. wouldn't really expect or know or remember um, just because of the nature of the part that they played. But yeah, Trek is pretty pretty far reaching in how many people have been involved with it. I'm a big fan of the uh, the TNG to Seinfeld pipeline. Yes, an oddly <laughs> oddly populated group. <laughs> it's true. It's true that. Yep. Hmm. Well, anybody who was anybody in the 90s was on Seinfeld, and uh, I would say the same thing about Trek. 
Once yeah, we did. We did get a lot of a lot of surprisingly uh, fairly big names. Yeah. Well, especially in the fourth season. Like, I mean, you had Stephen Hawking. Big guy. I don't think Stephen Hawking was ever on Seinfeld, though. No, oh, no, no. Okay, but yeah, but I'm... <laughs> <laughs> although that would have been introduced. That that would have been really uh, that would that would, that would be a clever introduction. It's like, um, what do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about this is uh, is vexing. Uh... <laughs> Did they ever do a bit on Seinfeld where? Um... One of the 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 guys dates a woman that's in a wheelchair, and maybe they didn't know that. Like she, they they meet, and she's sitting down, and then he shows up for the date. And she's in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh that, God, that feels like a Seinfeld bit. I'm not well, sure. There if was that. Uh, that would have been a George the, episode. There was that one curb uh, curb bit where uh, Larry had a woman who was in a wheelchair. He had her saved in his phone as Wendy wheelchair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, everyone finds out. <clears throat> <laughs> oh Lord! Oh Lord! Hey, this is um a little bit of Brent Spiner trivia. Did you know that Brent Spiner has his own curb flavored show on YouTube? No, I forget the name of it, but it's on his YouTube. channel. I forget channel. too. It's it's old. He didn't he didn't he didn't do too much with it. But there are a few episodes up there. If it, the next, oh God, I kind of want to look it up, but the next time you no, run into him, it's a might be a good thing to ask about. Let me look, yes, look up yes. the name because we certainly haven't had the chance. Yeah, I. Where is this? Brent Spiner. What is the name? Oh, omelet. No. What is what is Brent Spiner's YouTube channel? It I'm, should just be Brent Spiner. I'm ashamed yeah. to say that I'm not subscribed to it. <laughs> you do not know this, and uh, I'm I'm embarrassed myself. Yeah, Brent Spiner's too famous for his own good. When I when I search his name, all that comes up are pe other people's videos about him rather than his uh, channel. Well, yes. we'll have to we'll have to find it and and uh, we'll we'll send it to you because it's it's certainly interesting. It, he has, uh, I mean, Lavar shows up. Um. I, I think other other uh, TNG actors do too at some point. Oh crap! I just came up <laughs> in your search. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, somebody. Uh, it's called TDC the Disability Channel, and keeping it real with Nick showcasing Brent Spiner, and there's a picture of him and me on stage. There you go. Hey. <laughs> so I okay. I I, I have to look at this now. You've I, officially I made it. Yes, I'm on the disability channel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should qualify for that, but I mean, it's nice to be loved. <laughs> well, you know, we're all disabled in our own ways. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, mine, uh, well. <laughs> Some of us are oh, that's just, another episode. we're just too, too handsome. That's my disability. Mm-hmm, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> all uh, right where are we at here i think i think we've kind of uh we've done everything with this episode i think yeah um so uh all that's left is the reveal the reveal what reveal yes, the ambassador 
that the ambassador is, is, is yeah. Romulan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. sure, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, that, when but, they get uh, ambushed by the second uh, warbird that shows up, and uh, it's like, yeah, you, you lost, guys. You screwed up. Sucks mm -hmm. to suck. Which, yeah, again, is, is a, a decent conclusion. Uh, it's kind of refreshing to see once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all about data, right? So, I mean, we see data succeed, and that's that's all we need to see. Sorry, mm -hmm. Jean-Luc, it's not all about you. <laughs> it is It is always nice to see uh, uh, Picard humanized. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Which, which happens, you know, once or twice a season, I guess, which is all you really need. Which is why it's but, funny when, when Brent was talking about, uh, um, like, he basically said that the whole cast, you know, like to get into trouble and like to, you know, play pranks and what have you. And mm -hmm. um, and then there was that one scene or that one bit where, where Tasha dies. And, of course, Patrick starts, uh, you know, roaming around the hills singing, you know, the hills are alive, you know, with the sound of yes. music. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and apparently after that moment, um, he was a lot more fun he was a lot more sillier and, mm -hmm. and and i think you know it's it's good to see him relax a bit not just as an actor but you know it's it, as, as as a character it's absolutely nice to see Picard lose you know a little bit so sure sure it took everybody yeah, some and, time to get into the swing of things especially in regards to cutting loose or feeling comfortable relaxing around each other but later on when deep space nine had begun its filming Brent, um, Patrick Stewart, and John, I believe, went to the set and did, like, vaudeville comedy for the crew of Deep Space Nine to alleviate their long suit shoot. And, wow. Uh, that's the kind of thing that, in year one, never would have happened. Not, uh, yeah. not until everybody kind of grew a bit closer and more comfortable with each other. Yeah, you know, and, and we also... Not just the cast, but you know the crew. Everyone, we 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 started to really learn how to uh, how to make the kind of episodes that we really wanted. See, I I love that insight that you guys have about this. I mean, we can you know as as a fan, right? I and as a journalist, I I I love to hear stories and I love to research and read about this stuff and find out the insides. But you guys. You know, you actually, but it's one thing for me to say, you know, oh, I read that by season four, everybody was starting to have a better, more relaxed time and enjoy themselves more. But you guys actually got a chance to live that. And I mean, that's, that's ultimate. For anybody who loves this series, anybody that loves Star Trek, the chance that you had to be a part of that, to see it happen is, you know, it, it it's, it's amazing to us. So I think... You know, the fact that you got to do that is uh, something that we should, <laughs> I mean, we should celebrate more on this, uh, on, on, on your cast, to, to be honest with you. Like, sure. I, 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 I mean, I, I appreciate that as well as, uh, you know, a fan of, of other properties and other long running series that uh, um, obviously I had no hand in. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a very specific kind of feeling to uh, wish you were there. Or, or yeah. appreciate the uh, the stories of people who were there, um, and you know that goes for basically you know every production that's ever been made. There's always very interesting things happening behind the scenes. I'll say yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll, they'll say that you don't know you know what you got until it's gone. Obviously, when we're working there that day, those days we're we're not doing it with the mindset of like, oh my god, 
this is a historic um, moment that we're a part of, it, it only really comes to that kind of context after the fact and when it's too, oh, especially too late especially early on it. yeah especially early on we thought it would be you know one and done for the most part <laughs> you know not last years right and jobs like ours where you're not in front of the camera you don't even know how long you're going to be involved with the project you know it could go mm-hmm. on but your uh part there might not and it 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 makes it difficult to really um, take it with the gravity that it deserves again until after it's already finished. Right, and and I think from from my perspective, and speaking for the fans probably who are listening, um, we appreciate that, and I think that's that's the draw that you have this personal insight, you have this connection, um, you know, you you know about the onion bagels. I mean, <laughs> right. that's a detail right. that we'll never get. But now because of your, you know, because of your podcast, you've made that available to us. And, uh, you know, thank you. Like, it's great. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we, we appreciate that, that we can deliver anything to, to the people who, who really love this show. Um, it's, it's a nice feeling and not, not one that we considered we would ever be able to feel, mm. uh, you know, in much the same way that we, in much the same way that Mitch says that you don't know what you have until, you know, maybe a decade after the fact, uh, we still didn't really quite know until we kind of got our hands into it retrospectively. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very cool experience from, from both sides of the fence. And I think, and obviously, you know, you know that, um, you know, when when you're interviewing uh, the actors, you know, I'm I'm sure they absolutely love to tell these stories, um, just because of the 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 kind of the joy that it spreads, you know. So it's it, you know it's tough sometimes to get it out of them because they're so worried about you know this was funny for me, but it may not be funny for sure. You know, like, yes, right? yeah. Sometimes yeah. you tell an anecdote and it just drops. Uh, yes. flat. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But, uh, th- that is one thing about, about fans of these long running series is that they're, they're hungry for, and I know this as a fan of other things, you know, you're hungry for every scrap of information you can get. Um, oh yeah. So that kind of takes like, the pressure off. Well, but what I like about your podcast though, is that you, you bring in stuff that people don't know about. Yeah. 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 We, you know, we, we do have a, a very specific kind of um, place in the production of, of this series um, and, and not one that's very uh, sexy, you know, right. we, we, we're not going to be the ones that uh, kind of represent um, the show. So uh, we, we did figure, figure that into, you know, when we said, why don't we start talking about this? Uh, we did think that, yeah, you know, most people probably haven't heard this stuff just because it's not, frankly a lot of the times it's not interesting uh objectively speaking mm. but i know that there are people who will find it great you know so uh yeah, that but, was kind of our our mission statement but i mean the thing is though is that we're not speaking objectively here we're, we're speaking exactly. exactly and your audience is subjective and and like i mean if you say that uh, jonathan frakes likes to wear you know green socks all the time i mean all of a sudden you're gonna have like a ton of like fans going out to buy green socks because that's what absolutely jonathan frakes does, right 
right? Right, like, right. So you guys, like, I mean, I've been researching and interviewing, you know, Trek celebrities, you know, for like about, you know, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I love listening to your podcast because there's always something that I didn't know was there. And I think that's the value. It's so cool because you have so much information, so much behind the scenes stuff. And, and this is the stuff that your subjective audience is going to listen and just eat up. So I yeah. really enjoy listening to you guys. Well, it's, well, hard, it's hard to we do. Really an, appreciate that. We do. But it's hard to do an interview with somebody um, who is, you know, so their time is so in demand. And you get down to interview right. them and you say, Jonathan Frakes, what kind of bagel do you like? Right. It's just, it's never going <laughs> to come up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's yeah. it's not something that uh, I, I think any actor would be even prepared to be asked, and they would probably think it's a uh, it's a bit or something. So oh uh, yeah. Well, and you know, the next time I see him, you know, I'm going to have a bagel in hand now. Absolutely. So. Oh my Hell god, yeah. you will get you will get quite the reaction. Trust me. I don't think anyone's done that, uh, at least from the fan side. So it's it's going to be great. Um, while we're here, uh, is there anything you want to plug? You know, anything coming up for you that you that you're you're up to? Uh, well, uh, right now I'm writing a series of articles for Den of Geek okay. mm-hmm. um, about uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. I was really lucky to have a chance to talk with Mike McMahon, the creator, and uh, uh, about you know Trek influences and non-Trek influences. And I've just written the first two articles that are on denofgeek.com. And uh, and and anybody, yeah, my my nickname is Captain Kirk, but I'm I'm John Kirk. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Funny story about that. I will I will tell you about it if you like. But uh, sure, uh, that's the next thing that's coming up. And uh, I also happen to write for Star Wars Insider uh, in the UK. Okay. And uh, I'll be writing a couple of pieces about um, um, Giancarlo Esposito and uh, Katie Sackhoff uh, in their roles in, in Star Wars. But uh, Star Trek is my first love. And so any chance I get to write about Star Trek... Uh, I will, but those are the, the the next things that are coming up for me. Very good, very good, awesome. T- tell awesome. us Any, the story. Uh, I want to hear the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's oh. hear the story. <laughs> so my my name is uh, is is John Kenneth Kirk, and mm-hmm. I was named after my my Welsh grandfather on my dad's side, who was a war hero, and he. Uh, served 1939 to 1945 in two services. He was in the Grenadiers in, in Britain, and uh, he also served in the Merchant Marine. So he served in three theaters of operation and did the whole, you know, you know, 39 to 45 and wow. survived and came home. However, my mother, um, who is Scottish, also had uh, a war hero uh, father and grandfather. And they were members of the Black Watch, uh, the 42nd Highlanders. And that's an elite Scottish regiment. And uh, they served with distinction as well. And so when um, I came into the scene, the name was either going to be John Kenneth Kirk after one war hero, or it was going to be James T. Kirk. Oh, wow. Wow. That's something. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and of course this this is like non Star Trek influenced, and of course they argued because one was a war hero, one was a war hero, and basically my father won out, and I was named after the Welsh guy, and they never told me this story until I was about fourteen or fifteen, 
mm-hmm. because you know I was well into Star Trek fandom at that point, and my my mother said, you know, to my dad, we were sitting around the dinner table, and said, you know, we should tell him uh, because <laughs> I, I just met Jimmy Doohan actually at that point. Oh, wow, okay, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and so I said, oh well, Jimmy Doohan was in D Day, so I should talk to him about Granddad and 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 you know other Granddad. And uh, and then they looked at each other very uncomfortably and said, "Son, uh, you were going to be named James T. Kirk." <laughs> and when I found out the story behind it, even though the name is an honorable reason, I swear I didn't speak to my father for about three months. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure I'm sure at that point as a teenager you were thinking, oh, "Why didn't you just name me the other name?" It would well, have been so I'd different. Grown up, I'd grown up being called Captain Kirk all right. my life. Right, right, and, right. This, and, would, this would have made like, it official. <laughs> yeah, it would have justified the bullying. It would have justified... Exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes. I know, Yeah, no matter no matter what with, with the surname Kirk, you're, you're getting it no matter what your first name is, so... Exactly. And, uh, but, it, you know, uh, my father, it's still, uh, it's still a, a, a sensitive point. Um, with my dad to this day, he, he, he you can see him vis- visibly shrink and, you know, grimace when, when, whenever it's brought up and, uh, you know, he, you know, sort of like exits the room and walks out and it's, it's kind of sad actually, but <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, for therefore the, you know, for the grace of God, go, you know, James T. Kirk, that that sort of thing. But, <laughs> you know, people have asked me, and it's funny though, because it's like when I, 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 you know, get interviews with, you know, the Paramount people, um, they introduce me as James Kirk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, people, and, and in fact, actually a couple of celebrities have signed autographs, you know, to James. Um, I have an oh, autograph wow. picture. Yeah, I have an autographed picture from Ricardo Montalban. Uh, <laughs> and it says, to Jim, best wishes from your amigo, Ricardo Montalban. Very nice. So oh, man. Mark Altman calls me James Kirk. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess in this sphere, it's hard to uh, hard to divorce yeah. the, you know, the the surname from the character. So it gets all jumbled up. Of course, but I I, that's... I I don't mind. I mean, you know, oh, no. it's like Who would? Yeah, that, that, that's right. the way it should have been. That's okay, you know. <laughs> certainly, certainly. <laughs> so, where can people find you on on social media and such? Uh, well, I I'm on Twitter, uh, Cap J K Kirk, and uh, on um, where else am I? Uh, I, I write for uh, a few websites, popmythology.com. Uh, I've written for trekcore.com. I write for Den of Geek and originalsin.ca, which is original cin. Uh, that's a movie uh, review site. And I write for Back Issue Magazine and uh, Star Wars Insider. Quite the fleshed out portfolio. Thank you. Thank you. I, I love what I do. Um, this is. It's a, it's a particular type of niche journalism, but um, it's rewarding. Uh, I love it. And, you know, it gets me to uh, interview um, Star Trek celebrities at uh, San Diego and uh, Fan Expo, uh, Fan Expo Toronto, uh, which is where I just recently interviewed uh, LeVar Burton and, and, and Brent Spiner. 
uh, last weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great chance to celebrate uh, fandom, and I'm I'm just really happy to do it. Awesome. So one of the things that we do to cap off each episode is that we give it a rating, of course, and we rate it out of five saucer sets. So I got to ask, and I'll start with 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 Brandon here. Brandon, how many saucer sets would you give this episode? I would I'd give it a solid four, I think. Four it's saucer a... sets? Are you insane? Yes. Yes, we've, we've already talked about this. It's very good. We have lots of interesting sets. The only knock on it, well, not the only one, but the biggest knock is, is of course, that little subplot. But it, I don't think it takes away from the sort of all the background stuff going on that makes this episode a joy to watch. All right, well. I, 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 I have to agree. I, I would go with a four as well. Mm -hmm. Um simply because I, I love the interaction of all the other characters. I love, it's not just a day in the life of Data, but it's also sneak peeks into the the life uh, and, and day of the other characters. Yep. And yet the, the Romulan subplot that, you know, is could be a little bit more useful. Um, but overall, it's a very satisfying episode, and I remember, you know, watching it and enjoying it and feeling, you know, oh, I got something out of data. So uh, four seems good to me. Uh, I'm going to be a little lower than you guys. If I could give a percentage, it would be, not a percentage, like a fractional point, it'd be like 2.75, but I'm wow. not going to, I'll trend upwards and just give it a three to please the committee here. Negative Nancy over here. I didn't like it all that much. And, um, <laughs> and that will live on in infamy, that, that rating. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it will. It's, uh, I think a controversial opinion. The hottest take on the readier room ever seen. <laughs> well, all right. I, I, I hope then that uh, I didn't disappoint and, uh, I not at all. I set <laughs> not at all this was great yeah i i had fun i hope the uh the ensigns listening at home had fun um i guess you know what to hell with the ensigns we'll do a we'll do a question of the week next week they can live with it okay yeah sure yeah, yeah. fine it's it, it wasn't interesting this week anyway yeah no it was not a very good question but uh they tried anyway um before we finish i of course have to plug our sponsors um denny's home of the Moons Over Miami and the Grand Slam, and also Pep Boys, home of the 15-minute oil change. If you say the term readier at either of these fine establishments, you'll get 15% off your order or purchase. That's going to be it for this week. Uh, until next time, till we next meet again, I bid you and yours a pleasant and eternally happy Stay Readier. The Troublesome Little Man Child. Lowest of species. Thank you, Ensign. Engage. Do you consider yourself superior to us? Should have told him to mind his own damn business. But I stroke the beard thusly. Do I not appear more intellectual? Have you never dreamed of climbing inside the bottle bottle?